praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's Sunday morning, the first Sunday morning of March. Winter is coming to a close. Spring is here. If your grass is green, it's because you have weeds. That's what I told my wife. She said, why is our grass brown and their grass is green? I said, baby, first of all, don't compare, all right? Second of all, that's because they have a bunch of weeds in their yard. We don't, just wait, a, just wait a month. Ours is gonna be beautiful. In the spirit, it may be the same way. Don't look and compare and base God's faithfulness on what he's doing in someone else's front yard versus what he's doing in yours. Just wait on him and trust that his promises are yes and amen. That what he said he will do in your life, in your family's life, in your spouse, in your job, in your marriage, in your children, in your future marriage, in your future children, in the workplace, in the city, that when he said that all will know that I am Lord and they will see it through your life, through how you live, through how you have joy and how you have peace, you hang on to that promise until they see that Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and they see it because of the peace that's inside of you that won't let go. Come on, if you got peace and you got joy, why don't you give God 30 seconds of praise? He's faithful. He's worthy. He's good. He's trustworthy. room and 
you shine a flashlight, the lightness shines and pushes out the darkness. Have you experienced that before? It can be totally dark. You turn on the smallest light and everyone's eyes that are in the room wants to go to that light. I believe this morning in the same way that I'm declaring that it's time for springtime to happen over lives, in the same way I'll declare this, that it's time for darkness to be pushed out of our minds and of our lives, that the light of Jesus would push it back and shine. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. Are you glad to be here this morning? Hey, as you're taking your seat, I want you to find three people around you, high-five them and say, I'm glad to be here. If you have to lie, the Lord will forgive you. Say it till you mean it. All right, you don't got to lie. Tell the truth. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. Praise God. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. I'm believing it'll be a powerful morning for you. In a little bit, we're going to get to celebrate new life in baptism. Amen? Hey, come on. Come on. If your row is tight and there's too many people in it, that's a good thing. You'll be, the Lord will bless you and protect you. And if they sneeze on you, it will only be for your benefit. We were playing with my kids at the park, or actually not even at the park, in just some random lot. It wasn't even a park. It's, anyways, neither here nor there. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. And we had been feeding this horse that was there in this random lot, and I had some apples that I was eating, and I sacrificed my apples to give them to the horse for my kids' entertainment. You know, I was feeding them, so the horse was, like, eating on my hand. And then later on, I looked over, and, like, I, you know, time passed, and then my kid, my youngest kid who was four months, was like, chewing on my hands a little bit, all right, and I looked at my wife, and I just went ahead and owned it, and I was like, yeah, it was the same hand that the horse was eating off of, I'm just going to go ahead and dispel any doubt that you have, yeah, that's what I did, and I wasn't, I told her, I wasn't thinking about it, this is what happened, this is where we're at now, so there's no reversing the last 10 minutes of what's been happening, it's just, time is time in this moment, and she was like, you know, you shouldn't really have the babies, like, licking on your hands like that, and I said, why do you think our older son, Maverick, never gets sick? I was like, this is how he grew up. It's the Dwight Schrute method, all right? It's also the Holy Ghost method. God, God just does what he does. He's protecting us. He's doing what's right. So if you get sneezed on because someone's sitting too close to you, you just say, thank you, Jesus, for making me stronger. It's good. He protects you. If there's anywhere that he can protect you from sickness, it's here in the house of God, okay? Amen. Amen. Hey, I got a, I got a, a text of scripture, actually two texts of scripture, two pieces of scripture. The first one is in Philippians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be first. And the second one is in John, I believe it's chapter 9. But when I turn there, I'll check and confirm. But we're going to be in those two spots. We're going to be in John chapter 9 at the end. I want to bring you to that. But we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, two pieces of the scripture the Lord has showed me. And here's the title that I want to share with you this morning. If you're taking notes, I hope that you are. If you're not, grab your neighbor's hand and get a pen and start taking notes. It'll help you because you're writing it out. It'll help them because they'll leave with it later. Here's what your title is for today. It's time... To work it out. It's time to work it out. You know, sometimes it feels like you're waiting on other people to work it out. 
you know, hey, if they would just fix their problems, if they would just, you know, be a little nicer, if, if the city would just fix this pothole or my job would just fix the portal that I could be getting through and log. There's just so many other people that have to work something out in order for us to have a better life. And you know what? Let me just say this. I don't know what everyone else is doing this morning that's not here or not in the house of God, but I want to speak this to the people of God this morning. It's time for us to work it out. You've been given so much power and authority. You've been given so much influence and favor. There's so much grace that's on your life as a believer. It almost doesn't make sense for you to not put that to work and begin to let it work out. And I want to take you to this passage of scripture. I want to show you what my heart is trying to say this morning through the word of God. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. How many have been going to the women's Bible study on every other Wednesday night? Man. They got dinner, they got child care, they got the word of God, they got awesome ladies. If you're missing that, it's this Wednesday, am I right? It's this Wednesday, dinner starts at 6.30, be here, and guess what they're studying? Philippians. Come on, amen. And how many of the ladies are trying to memorize that passage of scripture in Philippians? Raise your hand. All right. There's less people raising their hand that are memorizing the scripture than go to the Bible study, but hey, I'm not here to judge I'm here to preach the gospel. Okay, so you'll work that out on your own because we're talking about working it out this morning. Anyways, I'm going to read Philippians. It will get your heart inclined. If you're a lady and you want to go to the women's Bible study, jump on it this Wednesday night. If you're a guy and you want to go, you can't. Just text me, all right? We'll hang out. Therefore, my beloved. Do you know how much God loves you? Ooh, man, you don't. Come on. We got to get it. We got to know. I got to remember how much God loves me. Therefore, my beloved. As you have always obeyed, how many of you are obedient? <laughs> I didn't even look. You notice I stayed looking down. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know. There's some questions that you ought must not ask. You don't want to know the answer, so just I'll keep looking down. Praise God for the obedient ones, the disobedient ones. I speak over you in the spirit right now. Okay. Be obedient in Jesus' name. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, when I was there before, when I am there, but much more in my absence. Man, here's, the, here's what I know. It's easier to obey when you know the boss is watching. You know? When the boss is watching, you're like, oh. I guess you're fixing clocks. I don't know what you're working on, okay? I don't know what you do, but I'm sure it's not this, okay? But when the boss is watching, like, you, you got you to gotta work. Then when the boss walks away, you're like, so anyways, what were you saying about your weekend? Right? There's a few of us guys that work out on Mondays and Tuesday mornings. People are giving me a hard time about why Mondays and Tuesday mornings and why not more spread out. And I'm like, I want to get it over with. Like, it, it, honestly, it makes perfect sense. Like, let me just break it down for you. I'm going long game, okay? My, my idea is when Maverick is 18, that's, that's 16 years from now, I want to be able to defeat him in every physical bout. <laughs> that's the only reason I'm working out, all right? I want him to know that his dad is awesome. Right now, I'm doing awesome stuff physically. He's two. He doesn't even appreciate it. He doesn't know how awesome it is. I got to stay sharp, all right? I'll tell you later. So we work out at this gym, and basically nobody goes there. Pastor Abdiel goes with me. 
and some other guys too go with me, and there's this glass, you know, window wall that's there, okay? And there's, there's a lady that's there every morning, same person, and she's the one that checks us in, all right? And I can just tell by knowing her that she likes people that follow the rules. And so I just know that by knowing her, that if we get too close, she may not like me that much, okay? Because I tend to not want to follow the rules, but not just on purpose, it's just kind of what happens, okay? It's just what happens. So I haven't really been going to a physical gym since before COVID, and when I went to a gym, like, there, no one was that serious about wiping down all of your equipment after, after you worked out. It was just like, no, man, we were just all working out, okay? You can do, say whatever you want to say. I was at the gym for years and years, played sports and all this stuff, and I promise you, no one had green, mean green hand sanitizer, whatever that, green, true green, whatever that is, and they're going around spraying chemicals, thinking that it's doing something on there, okay? Anyways, wiping it down with some towel. We don't even know if it's washed, but in the first place. So I just didn't know. I wasn't even trying to break the rules. I just didn't know. We're working out, you know. I come in. There's no one in the gym. There's been no one in the gym for weeks. There's never been anyone there at this time except for us. So I'm like, you know, just doing my thing. We're working out, you know. And I noticed that during the workout, she'll come and she'll stand in the glass and she'll just stand there and she'll stare at us. I feel uncomfortable. You know, I'm just being honest. I'm like, all right. But let me tell you what. I'm working out a little bit harder. Because she's watching, trying to impress her. She's, you know, she's, she's, she's young. She's like 80, yeah. She's, she's young, okay. So she's just standing there, and she's, she's watching me like a hawk, and she's watching us like a hawk. And I'm wondering, why is the boss watching us while we're working out? But you better believe when she does, I start working out a little more. And I thought, you know what, she's just impressed, like, with all that's going on in the gym with, Pastor Abdiel and me, you know, it's the beards. And watching these beards work out, maybe he's having a good time. That's what I feared. Until she came up afterwards, and she was like, hey, some of the other people working out. And I was like, stop you right there. I've never seen anyone here working out. <laughs> nah, I didn't stop her. I just let her keep going because I'm a nice guy. She's like, some of the other people working out, okay, she's making sure it's not her. Someone else has complained that you're not cleaning the equipment. And I told her, I'm not. She's like, you're supposed to. I'm like, now that I know, I will. Like, I didn't. That's where those little rags and the green sprays for you. want me to go around? You want me to clean the equipment after? She's like, yes. I'm like, no problem. So now that I know the boss is watching, but even so much more when she's not watching, ask anyone that's going to the gym with me if I don't go over and haphazardly clean all the equipment that I work out on. Whether she's watching or whether she's not. But especially if she was watching, I'm not getting told twice. I'm not trying to get my gym membership revoked. I pay $10 a month for that. <laughs> trying to hang on to that. He's reminding us this. In the same way that if God were right here watching... This is, how, this is how Paul writes. In the same way that if God were right here watching, work that way. Live that way. People say all the time, if God were here, I'm like, listen, listen, girl. God is here. He's inside of all the believers. 
So go look in the mirror and remember the spirit of God that's inside of you so you can stop saying if God was here. He is here. He's here in these people. And he's not here in this beautiful place because he likes something called church. He's here in this beautiful place because the people of God who are the church decided to show up. And wherever you go, that's where he is. Like the boss is watching. So I learned a good lesson so far in 2023. You work out, you wipe off the gym equipment. No problem. Adds a little time, but no problem. It says this. And the same as when I'm there in my presence, as much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Everybody say, work out. Does it say work for? No, it says work out. There's, there's kind of two different mentalities when it comes to this. And I want to help make sure that we get aligned with the word of God. Because it clearly does not say, will not say, you will not find it in the word of God. You will not find it from the Holy Spirit of God that we're supposed to work for our salvation. But rather to work out our salvation. You see, working for your salvation feels like this. Working for your salvation feels like I need God's mercy because I'm not sure if I have his grace. So God, I'm always asking, have mercy on me because I forgot how you really see me and I just don't know if your grace, I know your grace covers what they did, but I don't know if your grace will cover what I keep doing. So I work for instead of work out. Work for says I better do it right so I can get God's favor on my life. Work out says there's so much favor on me. Do you see the difference? When I work for, I want to get it right so I can make sure that I'm highly favored and blessed by God. And here's the deal. You're already highly favored and blessed by God. You don't need to work so that you can be favored by God. You're working it out because God has favor on and inside of you that's ready to come out on the people around you. When I work for, I value church performance more then I value holiness. I would rather, when, I, when I'm working for salvation, what I need everyone around me to know is that I'm singing it right, I'm doing it right, I'm saying it right, I will be blessed, I won't give up, I won't be addicted, I'll keep fighting, I'll keep pressing, I'll keep pushing. I'm working for so I can get. But I don't really care about what everybody can't see, so I'll keep all these skeletons in my closets, and my little drawers, and my glove apartment, and you know, my, my, my console. I got my stuff that I really am addicted to and need inside of there. Because holiness is not a priority. Performance is. Because I work for. But when I work from, I'm not really concerned if you think I'm performing how I need to perform. And I don't see this as a dance before the Lord that he has to breathe on and approve. Here's what I know, that he has already made me holy, I am holy, and I work from a place of holiness. Am I preaching to anybody today? When I work for, 
honestly, I want to please people more than I want to please God. I found out when I was young, you can please all of the people some of the time, and some of the people all of the time, but you'll never please all of the people all of the time. And when I'm turning and making my life choices based on who I can please and how I can make them happy, instead of pleasing the Father first, I love my family, I love my wife. I want to serve them. I want to please them. I want to bring them happiness and joy. I want them to have the best life. And anytime they're not happy and smiling, I'm like, hey, is there anything else I can do? What, what can I, I want to serve. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I have messed up plenty, but I want to serve them. But my wife knows this, that if it comes between pleasing God and pleasing my family, and it seems like there's a difference between the two, I will always please God. He has to be first. Otherwise, I'll end up working for instead of working from. There's three phases of work I'd love for you to know. Three phases of work. That's what I'll say. Because we all have to work in some way. I don't care if you're retired or you don't think retirement's real, you think it's real. It doesn't really matter, like, if you're a kid or if you're not. We all do our work. Yesterday, my son was doing his work. His work was he was sitting on a dirt pile, and he was pushing rocks. He was taking little rocks, and he was pushing them inside the dirt. And then he would look at me, and he would be like, all gone. Like, I'm making the rocks disappear. And I'm like, that's his work right now. You understand? That's his actual work. That's, that's his work unto the Lord. See, we think that we, we associate work with money, like work is money. That's not what work is. Work is what we do before the Lord and unto him. And we're not supposed to be working for. And when we're working for a paycheck, I can just go ahead and tell you, that's just the wrong mentality right there. There's three phases of work. The first one is work in the garden before sin. There's work that existed in the garden before sin. Right? This work was so different than the work we have now. If you want to see what was the work like in the garden before sin, go get in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and read them and get a grasp on what that was like. This is similar to what the work will be like when we get to eternity with Christ. There's work in the garden before sin. Then there is work in the Old Testament before Christ. There's work in the Old Testament before Christ. See, before in the garden, there was work before sin. They didn't have to worry about making themselves right by doing any work. They just were right. And now there's work in the Old Testament before Christ. And if you go read it, TBH, they had to do the right things in order to please the right God. That's how it was. If they didn't sacrifice it right, if they didn't do it right, if the right person didn't do it at the right time, with the right animal, with the right blood, they had wave offerings, sin offerings, grace offerings, water offerings, bird offerings. They had all kinds of things, and they had to do different ones for different sins and different blessings. They had to do one before they fought. They had to do one if they lost. They had to do one if they won. They had to do one if they were going and they were thinking about fighting. They had to do one if they got to a new territory. They were making all kinds of offerings to be right before God. This is work before Christ. But the third kind of work is new covenant work. New covenant work. New covenant work is with the Holy Ghost. And we don't work for, we work from. It's what Jesus taught. Go read 
those scriptures. Go read what Jesus taught about in his parables. Go read how he shared. Do you not see he talks about farmers, sowers, those that go in, people that get money, people that bury money, people that share money, people that are paying for other people who are sick to take them. To the, these are the stories that he told. All of them have work in it. I know when I'm doing new covenant work because I can be working hard without being overworked. If I start feeling overworked, it's an indicator that I've begun to work for instead of working it out and I've slid into what my forefathers and foresisters should have been doing, which was working from a place to please God. No, see, now it's my faith that pleases God, not my work. Did I lose you yet? New covenant work. Just like it says in Philippians chapter 2. It says, I'm working it out. See, there's already something on the inside that God has put there. And I got to go to work in the kingdom of God, regardless of my actual job, assignment, or role in my family. I got to go to work because God has put something inside of me. The spirit of God is inside of me. I already have it, and I have to work it out. Anybody on this front row um, have an iPhone? I know I looked, they were all sitting right next to them. Who, which one of you trusts me the most? All right. No, no, I don't need you to open it. It has my face probably at the top of it, so. It didn't, it didn't work. Let me give it one more shot. Let me give it one more shot. Maybe it's in the side over here. It could be the hair. Uh, we'll, we'll try it again later. This is your phone, right? Act like this was not your phone and that you wanted this phone and that I had the option to give it to you or not give it to you. So it's not yours. It's act like it's mine and I have the option to give it to you or not give it to you. All right. So you're off to a good start. It's a good try. What else you got? Asking for it, it's a good indicator. Can I have it? She said. What? I haven't responded yet, so you got to keep going. I'm just hanging on to it for now. What can I do to have it? Come on, I mean, it, how much does it cost? Uh, let's just say I'm paying for it. You know I'm paying for it. I'm holding it in my hand. It could be yours. Come on. What do I need to do to get it? I mean, grovel, beg. I mean, try something. Come on. Please, can you say please? Please have it. Okay, okay, okay. Let's put her out of her misery, okay? All right. Now, you have the phone, right? Okay. You hang on to it. You keep it. Keep it in your hand. Hold it in your hand so you know you got it. All right? Hold it up in your hand so everyone can see you have it. Okay, now bring it down to your side. Now, beg me for the phone. Beg me for it. No, but go ahead. Pretend like you have it, but ask me for it. I mean, really beg. Come on. Like you need it. Like if you don't have it, beg for it like, like if you really needed it. Would, would you fast for it? Would you pray for it? 
but ask me like you, like you're, like you don't. Please, please, that's the best you got? That's the best you got? Let me tell you what, if I took her phone for real, then we'd find out. No! My contacts, my pictures, my whole life is in there. So much of what you beg for, so much of what we ask for, so much of what we long to have is in your hands. It's been deposited inside of you. Does the spirit lack anything? Is the spirit not the fullness of truth and everything that is good? Then if we ask, does the spirit not come and to dwell inside of us and make us a holy temple? Is the word of God not real? Is it not inside of us? Is the word not God and God not the word and the fullness of the word and the fullness of the spirit not living inside of us? Does he not say in his word that greater is in you than he who is in the world? Does he not say that be strong in the Lord and in the strength of the Lord's might? Is that not the word of God and is it not inside of you? Then why so many times do we beg for and do we plead for and do we say, God, please, 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 for things that he has already put inside of you. And you're acting like you're in old covenant theology where you have to work for, but the word of God is saying, don't work for, work from. Work it out. It's inside of you. Already that authority is inside of you. Already the blessing is there inside of you. Already the peace has been deposited inside of you. Already the joy has been placed there inside of you. Already what you need is given over to you. He has set it aside. Do you not trust that God is true when he says, for I know the plans that I have for you, and they are plans to prosper you. Do you not trust the word of God when he says, even before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And yet we beg and we ask, God, would you please? God, would you please? We, we, just, we just pray and we pray and we worship and we hope and we hope and we grovel and we beg. And God is sitting there and he's like, honestly, let me just, what? I've given it to you. The keys to the kingdom are yours. The power to defeat the enemy is yours. All wisdom can be to anyone who asks. It says that anyone who asks for wisdom will have it. If you seek her, you will find her when you seek her with all of your heart. And yet we ask God, God, give me wisdom. Ain't no prayer, God, give me wisdom, going to give you what he's already set aside for you. You know, the promotion, the pay, the peace, the promise, every single thing that you wish you had in your life is already set aside right there, available for you. And God has said, for anyone who has faith will reach out and take that. It says the kingdom of God is for those who will reach out and take it by force. Go read the word of God and see. Go read and see if God has not destined us for greatness and for great promise. How else would all the people know who Jesus is if it wasn't through our mouths telling the testimony of what God 
God has done. If it wasn't for him saving us and saving our families and setting us apart in holiness. And then once he sets us apart in holiness and we finally have this massive guilt lifted off and we feel free for the first time. And we're like, wow, that's beginning to feel really good. Then we say, now i got to get to work so I can earn more. You didn't earn the first piece that you got. How are you going to earn more? If you came to my house and I baked you a beautiful pie, which would never happen because I don't bake beautiful pies. <laughs> that in itself, you'd know is a miracle. I baked you a beautiful pie and I said, would you like a slice? And you said, more than anything, I'd love a slice. And I began to cut up this pie, just a slice for you. What kind of pie would it be? Pecan pie. Hallelujah. They don't got that nowhere else. That's just Texas right there, baby. Okay? They begin to, they begin to slice up. I begin to slice up a pecan pie piece for you. And I handed it over to John, who's my friend. Here you go, John. And he ate it. He said, wow, that was good. I said, thank you. Through the power of the Holy Ghost and through Walmart, I baked this pie. <laughs> and he said, can I have another? And as I began to cut the second piece of the pie, he dropped down on his knees. And he began to say, no, please, really. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like, John, I'm cutting it, brother. I'm cutting it. And he began to desperately shout, I'll do anything for the pie. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm cutting it. I'm cutting it right now. Just give me a second. Right? God, is, God wants to bless you. He does not need you to walk around miserable. He even wants that when you're going through something difficult, it says this, and even when you face many trials, what should you consider it? Pure joy. And what should you have inside of you? Pure joy. And what should be coming out of you when you talk to people? Pure joy. And where does pure joy come from? The only place that it can come from. It comes from Jesus. Come on. And even when you're walking through that, pure joy can be on you, in you, and working out of you. I came to course correct anybody that thinks they're working for and say, no, no, don't work for. You're not here to earn it. You've already been given it. It's already been given through the blood of Jesus. It did the full work, and the Holy Spirit's here, and he has come to remind us it gets worked out, not worked for. For it is God, I'm back in Philippians, for it is God who works in you, say in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Whose pleasure is it for? God. See, here's the deal. It's saying don't work for your salvation, work out your salvation for it is God who's already working in you he's working in you your job is to work out what he puts in if he puts in some great stuff you want to make sure that you're working it out and I would go ahead and step out on a limb and say this if you're asking for more great stuff and it's not being landed in your lap it's probably because there's already great stuff inside of you that you haven't wanted to work out yet and there's not enough space for all the blessing that God wants to give. But God's work in you and in me is an interesting work. 
I think the Word of God and God Himself describes it better than I could. That's why I want to turn to John chapter 9. Let's look at when God says that He works in us, I want to look at the work of God and I want to look at our responsibility in connection to that work. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered them, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but it was that the works of God, say the works of God. The works of God might be displayed to him. Then he says this in verse 4, don't skip over it. Let it simmer and put it in a crock pot in your heart this week. We must work the works of him who sent us while it is still day. For night is coming when we can do no work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes. He anointed the man's eyes with something that was not meant to be anointing. And he said to him, go and wash. Verse 7 at the end. So he went and washed, and he came back seen. We are to work the works of Christ while we still can. But I want to remind you four things before we get out of here. They're quick. Just let me write them down. The first is this. The Father has destiny planned for you. He has destiny planned for you. And many of us live like he has destruction planned for us. We live wondering what will happen next. He's destined us for greatness. We're his sons. So much of what I'm doing in my life is for my sons. My kid was having a two-year-old moment this week. And it was just like, it was just like nonsense. And I was just loving him through it. And I went to my wife and I was like, it's so, it's so good for my, like, I, I don't like this right now. But it's so good for my soul. Because when you're spending so much of your day to love somebody. And then they come to you and they're screaming at you. No, no. It's Basically, can't say more than that. If he could say, if he could say, like, I hate you, he probably would in this, like, really intense moment. But he's like, no, no. And he's, he's trying to hit me, you know, because I wouldn't give him, like, nine more suckers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it is super humbling because you've done so much for this human. And this is what you know. If we're in the front yard right now, we're trying to go get in the car. If I turn around and go inside and shut the door, I don't have to lock the door. I shut the door. He'll die. Am I lying? He's two. Where is he going to get food? He can't turn a doorknob. He can't come inside. His whole life depends on my ability to love him. And I'm sitting there in that moment. I'm not even about, I'm not contemplating, am I going to do that? Because I couldn't. I never would. 
I'm just telling you what the reality is. Some of you look like, you're cold-hearted. No, man. Like, I'm not cold-hearted. My firstborn son, I ain't about to lock him out of the, how many hours you can go? No, man. No, man. I'm just saying it's true. And he's telling me, no, no, dad, dad, no. All I've done is love him, care for him, take care of him. I wipe his butt. I do everything. I feed him. I prepare his food. Okay, my wife and I, but you understand what I mean. he's screaming no at me. And I'm like, God, you're so good to us. Because right now, God, if you went inside your house and you shut the door, you wouldn't even have to lock it and we couldn't get in. We are so small and so weak and so infantile without you. It is only through you, Christ, that you even mature us and grow us, and yet so many times we stand there thinking we know something that we need more of, less of, or we need it faster than we have it now, and we look at him and we say, no, no, and he sits there, he's like, I love you so much, I'm not even going to get mad at you while you're trying to hit me and throw a tantrum, because I'm so stable and constant in who I am, I know what I'm doing is best for you, if I, I could end your life if I wanted to, but I never would, because you are the joy of my life. And when you see that God sees you like that, it begins to change the way that you live and you walk and you act. And all of a sudden you realize, you know what? He did put something inside of me worth being worked out to those who are around me. He made me for destiny. The second thing is this. It doesn't always make sense. Dude is sitting there, he's blind, but he can hear. His friend said, oh, yes, he did. He just, he just spit, oh, oh, you, you better, you, come on, come on, man, let's get out of here. He about to rub it on your eyes, right? It ain't, that's making it worse. You're going to look stupid. Everyone's going to tell, like, think about the commentary. You don't got no commentary around you telling you what you need to do, what you need to know. <laughs> You can love everybody, and you can lead people, and yet you don't have to let them tell you how to do your life. God, but you promised that you were going to bring this, you were going to bring that, you were going to do this, you were going to do that, and it's just not really making sense. Let me just tell you something. When you're looking around with your natural eyes, and it's not really making sense, that's a great time to say, God... I know you're up to something. So I'm going to go ahead and thank you and trust you because I'm going to begin to not look with my natural eyes. Now I'm going to look with my spiritual eyes because I don't care what you can see in the natural, in the spirit, I can always see God working. I can see his hand moving. I can see his hand shifting. I can see his hand changing hearts. I can see his hand moving people from here to there, setting things up, bringing things that need to come from over here to over there. And let me tell you how I see his hand because I know how you see it. You always see it. When it happens later. Oh, I saw God. You know what? God's hand was all over that. Okay, let me tell you something. You can see that as it's happening if you look with your spiritual eyes. Don't believe me? Try it. But you need to know this. That when God works, it doesn't always make sense. But the third thing I want you to know is this. That God's works... Always, say always. Always work. 
It, was, it wouldn't have mattered how much or how little spit he put on the guy's eyes. It wouldn't have mattered where the dirt came from or if he chose to do it another way, if he used sticks or if he used rocks or if he would have used some glue, if they even had some glue. It wouldn't have mattered what he used or how he did it or what timing he did it. Here's the deal. He showed up to Lazarus, and Lazarus was already dead, and he wasn't concerned. Let me tell you something. Are you alive? Then he can do something in your life because he did it in Lazarus' life, and he was already dead. God's works always work. Would you stand up with me? read this passage of scripture one more time for us. I'm going to read it prophetically over your life. That's what I'm going to do. How many in the room, you believe in prophecy? It's in the word of God, so go read 1 Corinthians 14 and then let that change your mind. That's the great thing about having the Holy Spirit lead you. When the Holy Spirit leads you, you don't need to change anyone's mind. Stop trying to change someone's mind. I want to speak to somebody, some people right now. Stop trying to change someone else's mind. You don't need to do that. It's not your responsibility. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings change. He brings it in the mind, and he brings it through the Spirit. If you will just work out what God has already put in, you won't have to change someone's mind. Their mind will be changed and be exactly what it needs to be. It says that we renew our minds in the Spirit. And as you begin to live spirit all around whoever's mind you want to be changed, their mind will be changed. And I'm not talking about some hypnosis, some thing, whatever. 